Today, as we look at this matter of prayer, we ask that you might teach us, inspire us, and lead us to become people who are more committed to you. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, today we're commencing a short series of sermons on, uh, uh, on prayer as a way of introducing this program, Thy Kingdom Come. In the ten days from May the 25th to June the 4th, between what the church year is, Ascension and Pentecost, many Christians around the world are being called to pray for five friends or five work colleagues or five nations or five people groups that they may come to know the love of God in Jesus. The Ridley faculty and the student committee are, are supporting this venture and later on there's going to be some information given to us as to how we can all participate. Now when it comes to prayer, the way that we can learn about prayer is not by reading books as helpful as they can be, but by learning from the example of others and then getting down to doing it ourselves. The Bible is full of great examples of people praying, so over the next two weeks uh, we're going to look at two of them and see what we can learn. Today Abraham and next week Paul. Now all of us at times find prayer difficult and it's easy to be confused about the matter of prayer. One Sunday school teacher found she had a challenge ahead of her when she heard the children in her class recite the Lord's Prayer. One child kept on saying, Our Father in heaven, Harold be thy name. <laughs> another one, Our Father in heaven, how do you know my name? <laughs> and another one, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from email. <laughs> Which is not such a bad prayer. It's easy to get confused in this matter of prayer. Hence this little mini-series to see what we can learn about prayer from the great prayers of the Bible. And the passage we had read for us, we see Abraham at prayer, and his prayer is the first great example of intercessory prayer in the Bible, that is prayer on behalf of other people. And the reason I think this passage is here is to show us how Abraham is continuing to grow in the trust of the God who's called him. From Genesis 12, when God makes his threefold promise to Abraham of a land, a nation, and to be a blessing to the world, God is stretching Abraham to trust in that promise. The big question, I think, of Genesis 12 to 20 is, can God deliver on his promise to provide a son through this old man and his old wife? And in the verses just before the one was read out for us, in 18 verse 12, we see Sarah laughing when three strangers, perhaps three angels, or the Lord and two angels, I'm not too sure, ask Andrew Malone, he's written all about this topic. <laughs> they come to visit Abraham and declare that they would return the same time next year and Sarah will have a son. In verse 13, the Lord says to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh and say, Well, I really have a child now I'm old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It seems to me that's a really good question when we're thinking about our prayer life and whether we really go on praying for those friends or family members 
who seems so resistant to the gospel. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anybody too hard for the Lord? In this prayer, God, God is stretching Abraham and Sarah in this matter of faith. And that's the main focus of the verses we're looking at. For the purpose of prayer is not only to bring change about in the lives of others, but to bring change in ourselves. Prayer changes the prayer. And I suspect that's the most important lesson we'll learn from this particular passage in Genesis 18. Abraham leaves this prayer conversation with God a different man, a man whose understanding of God is deeper and stronger than it was before. Well, a lengthy introduction. Let's look at this passage. Let me suggest three things we learn about prayer. First of all, the foundation of prayer, the calling of God. Look at verses 16 to 19. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him, for I've chosen him so that he may direct his children and household to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Prayer begins with a personal relationship with God. And one of the most remarkable things about these verses is the way in which we see God taking the initiative to reveal to Abraham the judgment that's just about to fall on Sodom and Gomorrah. We overhear God speaking as we're pondering, shall I reveal to Abraham what I'm about to do? And then later on, we see God standing with Abraham. Verse 22, we see the men turned away, the other two perhaps go away towards Sodom, but Abraham remains standing before the Lord. Or as the other text says down the bottom, the Lord remains standing before Abraham. Prayer begins with a relationship of two people seeing each other face to face. A relationship with the living God, and it's that relationship which needs to develop and grow in our life through prayer. In every relationship, the only way we get to know people is by communication. There has to be a speaking and there has to be a listening. There has to be a listening, then there has to be some speaking. There has to be a meeting of mind and heart so that that relationship will grow. And the remarkable thing is that the initiative, both for the initial relationship and for the response, comes from God himself. It is God who calls us to himself and brings concerns to our mind, people to our mind, things to our mind to be done, and he waits for us to respond to him in prayer. Romans 8.26, we often don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And the other interesting thing in these verses is it tells us the motivation behind God's decision to share with Abraham what he's about to do. Verse 19, For I have chosen him. Now the word chosen here suggests the idea of knowing someone, of making them into a friend. In saying... I chose him, I chose Abraham, the Lord is saying, 
I've chosen him as the one through whom I'm going to enact my purposes of the world. I want this man to have a role in my plans. For if the world's going to be blessed through him, the nations will be blessed through him, the cities will be blessed ultimately through him, as I decide what to do with this city, I want him to play a part in what I'm going to do. John White, in his little book, People in Prayer, puts it like this. He says, whatever else prayer is, it's intended to be a sharing and talking and taking counsel with God on matters of importance to him. God calls us to attend a celestial board meeting and deliberate with him on matters of destiny. Prayer is not intended, White says, primarily to be centred on my petty needs and woes. Yes, of course, God's interested in them. They have a place on his agenda, but the agenda has been drawn up in heaven and deals with matters of greatest consequence. What's the nature of prayer? Not a duty we have to perform, but a privilege that God offers us as those called into a relationship with him. And like any human relationship that we have here, at home, wherever it is, we need to nurture that relationship so that it will grow. I love what C.S. Lewis has to say about his own experience of prayer. It's true of my experience too. He says, the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists of shoving it all back and then listening to that other love, that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, quiet life come flowing into yours. The foundation of prayer, the calling of God. Secondly, the focus of prayer, the character of God. Now at first glance, this prayer that Abraham prays looks exactly like the sort of thing that happens if you've ever been to a Middle Eastern market. You know what it's like. You see something you like in the shopkeeper and you try to bargain the shopkeeper down. How much is it? 50 shekels. 50 shekels? That's outrageous. I'll give you 10. 10. You insult me. Look at the quality. Look at the care. I'll let you have it for 40. 40? No way. They're cheaper down the road. How about 20? And of course, it goes back and forth and you end up coming to an agreed price. You walk away thinking you've got a bargain. The shopkeeper smiles. He knows he's made a fantastic profit. <laughs> But prayer, of course, is not about trying to twist God's arm. It's about appealing to God on the basis of who he is, on the basis of his revealed character. Verse 20. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Having pondered what to do, God now tells Abraham about his plans. He knows what he's going to do, but he wants Abraham to know that in what he does, he will act rightly. For his judgment, he says, is not going to be a knee-jerk reaction or based on a whim, but he's going down into the city to see the truth of the situation for himself. I will go down and see and check it out, he says. And it's on the basis of this revelation of God's character as a righteous and just God that Abraham begins to intercede for him. 
We saw it there, verse 23. Abraham approached him. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people? Will you sweep it away and not spare the people for 50 people? Far be it from you. Will not the judge of the earth do that which is right? Now, of course, behind Abraham's concern are two things. Firstly, his concern for his nephew Lot, who is living there with his two daughters. And secondly, his concern for the glory of God. Lord, you are righteous judge of the earth. Surely in destroying the wicked, you don't want to destroy the righteous as well. That is not who you are. Abraham's prayer is built solidly on the character of God, which is why it is such a bold prayer. What will the surrounding nations make of the justice of the Lord if everybody's destroyed, irrespective of their personal behaviour? And so we see Abraham pleading with the Lord to do that this right. 50 righteous, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. And it seems as those numbers decrease, Abraham's faith begins to increase. He gets bolder as the conversation occurs. And note he's not haggling with God, for note the expressions of humility. I'm nothing but dust and ashes. I think he's actually haggling with himself. As he presses God more and more, he's drawn on to stretch his trust and confidence in the God who will act righteously, the God who can be trusted. Friends, in comparison to Abraham's prayer, how meek my prayers so often are, I'm not too sure about yours, but my prayers are often very meek and mild. One person's written, If God finds our hearts so tepid and our will so fickle, perhaps what we call unanswered prayers or delays are really God's grace in stretching and developing the little faith we do have by drawing us to pray more often and to trust him more. We call in this prayer to have a big picture of God, to focus our prayers not merely on our own concern with our eyes down, but our eyes up as we look at the character of God, who he is, what he's done, and his concern to bring blessing through Abraham to the world. The foundation of prayer, the calling of God, the focus of prayer, the character of God, the effect of prayer, the grace of God at work. Well, what's the outcome of Abraham's prayer? In Genesis 19, we read that God acts righteously and graciously. Righteously, he deals with sin as it needed to be dealt with. And throughout the Bible, we know Sodom used an example as what happens if we persist in wickedness. But he deals graciously by answering Abraham's prayer. Abraham had only asked for ten. God, in his grace, didn't do ten. He only found four and he rescued them. The purposes of this program, Thy Kingdom Come, is that we might do the same in our bold intercession for others. As I've been thinking about this program, I've thought, who will I pray for in these ten days? I thought, I've got a next door neighbour who's been there for a while. I haven't really had a conversation, a proper conversation with him about Christ. Some new people next door on the other side. Two members of my extended family for whom prayer is really hard because they really resist the gospel. 
but I'll trace them, and an old mate with whom I recently connected, reconnected on Facebook. Don't know how I'm going to do that. And uh, this, is the, this is the lovely prayer which the Thy Kingdom Come people suggest you might pray. I think it's a great prayer. Print it out. Put in the diary. Loving Lord Jesus, please work in me so I can share your love, life and message with, and I name the five people, reveal your love to them that they might know, follow and witness to you for your glory. Amen. Day one, day two, day three, day four, up to day ten. What I love about that, that prayer that's been written for this program is it's ask God to work in me first. It's not just, Lord, please convert them. Lord, please convert me. Change me that I might be able to share your love by being bold and witness and whatever it is. And then, Lord, reveal your love to them. Change them as you first begin to change me. Genesis 18 is a great passage on prayer. It doesn't matter what size archbishop we might be, or piece of book we might be today. It doesn't matter what job we have. What matters is that we love our Lord, and we love other people, and we might become people of prayer. Let us now pray. Lord, our prayer today is that you might expand our minds and our vision of who you are and what your purposes are for the world. Please help us to uh, be amazed at your initiative in drawing us to yourself. Please help us to be bold in our praying and be, please help us to be people of compassion for those around you who do not know you. We know that you're a God who is able. We know that you're a God who is willing to hear. Please help us be people of prayer. Amen. Amen.